Imagine you're an archaeologist on vacation in Spain. Ooh. Your days are packed with hot sunshine, delicious peaches, and rest. That is until your next-door neighbors decide they want to build a swimming pool in their backyard. One morning, you wake up with people chatting too loudly. They sound excited about something, so you go to check what it's all about. It turns out, your vacation neighbors dug a hole deep enough to find a Roman ruin that looked like the final resting place of ancient Romans. Your inner archaeologist forgets you're on vacation and heads straight to work. And believe me, you found gold. Well, not literally, but something like that. Inside the Roman ruin, there was a beautiful quartz vessel. Archaeologists before you have found similar artifacts. What nobody has ever found before was a vessel with perfume inside of it. So far, scientists never had clear proof of what the ancient past smelled like. We know that lemon and rose are perfume notes that are really popular today. But what did our ancestors like to use to make themselves smell better? This shocking discovery you happened upon showed that ancient Romans used pacioli as perfume. You know, that musky plant that people either love or extremely dislike? Yeah, that's the one. These Romans were probably very wealthy people, since pacioli was only found in India around that time. And quartz vessels were considered a luxurious piece of decor. We're talking about the 1st century CE. Yep, a long, long time ago. The period of history when the Roman Empire expanded a lot and that Pompeii was destroyed by the eruption of Mount Vesuvius. This might not have happened to you in real life, but a similar story happened to archaeologist Juan Manuel Roman. Residents from a little town called Carmona called him to investigate once they hit a Roman antiquity while digging to build a pool. Researchers already knew that Romans were big perfume enthusiasts. They were the first civilization to bring perfume to the liquid form we see today. Before them, records show that the Egyptian civilization also used scent quite a bit, but they used it differently. For ancient Egyptians, the scent came in incense form. They would burn myrrh, frankincense, and other herbs during religious ceremonies. Then, after the ruling class started to democratize this practice to the population, things started to change. Commoners would use essential oils to perfume their baths, doing this out of sheer pleasure. You remember Cleopatra, right? The beautiful and powerful queen of Egypt? There's a Shakespearean passage that says she arrived to greet Mark Antony, her future husband, in a boat with perfumed sails. As you can imagine, essential oils were really expensive back then. Well, they are still pretty expensive nowadays. But in 50 BCE, they were a rare commodity. So for someone to soak their sails in them, that someone might as well be Cleopatra. Fun fact here, essential oils are, quite literally, the essence of plants, herbs, and flowers. They are highly concentrated, and they are obtained through a thorough distillation process. They are expensive because to make a few ounces of oil, you need pounds of the plants, herbs, or flowers you're distilling. Now, many of us can count and rely on the five senses throughout our lives. And even if we tend to think that sight is one of the most important senses, the sense of smell holds quite a bit of surprise. Have you ever walked by someone, smelled their perfume, and was completely transported in time? Maybe to your grandma's house or to the memory of an ex. Smell has the power to make us time travel emotionally. 
This is called olfactory bonding. You see, other kinds of sensory information, like sight, touch, and hearing, have to pass through the thalamus before they reach our cerebrum. But odor goes directly from our nose to our limbic system, which is part of our brain connected to emotion, creativity, and memory. In terms of evolution, the sense of smell was really important for hunter-gatherers to find food to eat, especially fruits. Imagine you're a cave person walking by a mango tree. If their smell is taking up the whole block of forest, then you know it's time to eat it. You heard the phrase, the nose knows, right? Well, that's what it's all about. Now, how about we follow the scent down history lane and see how different periods might have smelled like, shall we? We've discovered that ancient Rome smelled like patchouli, or at least a part of it did. But if we fast forward in time and land in the early years of New York City, the odor changes completely. Around the 18th century came the so-called Industrial Revolution. That's when humans became expert at building machines that automated a lot of our work for us. Not having to rely solely on agriculture, humanity started to grow more and more. So cities also grew more and more. And guess what? They didn't smell too nice. Accounts of early days New York City said that the town was like an open-air dumpster left baking in the sun for too long. People threw their garbage on the streets, and it didn't help that the town didn't have a proper sewage system. It's safe to say that New York City stank. But people back then didn't have aroma diffusers or essential oil sprays. They just had to deal with it. It's easy to understand why, when perfume came along, people were excited to hide the horrendous smell of the town. But that's not all. Bad odors started to become associated with diseases. In France, scientists and doctors were extremely worried that people would get sick just by inhaling the bad-smelling air in cities. So, a belief started to circle around that perfume was a way to protect people from the city's bad odors. Still, only rich folks could afford perfume. As far as the story goes, during the reign of Queen Elizabeth I, every single public place had to be scented with perfume, because the queen couldn't tolerate bad smells. Initially, most perfumes were done in a natural way, mixing essential oils with a carrier liquid. One of the first perfumes ever to be made was by an Italian barber in the German city of Cologne. And yes, that's why it's called an eau de Cologne until this day. By the way, this guy's fragrance, which translates to admirable water, was used by the great Napoleon and is the world's continuously produced fragrance. As time passed and processes evolved, the brand Chanel came up with a new mode. They were the first brand ever to use synthetic material to make their world-famous fragrance, Chanel Number no. 5. Today, fragrance companies are responsible for a multi-million dollar industry. It remains a luxurious good since its origins in Roman times have shown us. But each perfume brand and type comes with its own special promise. You see, certain perfumes can make you feel more empowered, while others can prep you for a night of romance with your beloved. Sure, there is some marketing involved in this, but the basis for these assumptions is scientific, and it's called aromatherapy. The emotional effects of aromas in our bodies have to do with that science we explained earlier, remember? The smell goes directly into our limbic system, which is part of our brain that dictates our emotions. 
And we can trace aromatherapy practices all the way back to ancient times. Perhaps even more than today, the scent was used for medicinal use. Perfumes and essential oils were kept in jeweled rings and necklaces that the bearer could easily bring to the nose whenever they felt like it. Today, some branded perfumes have dived into the aromatherapy side of fragrance making and have created scents they say help to make you happier and more energized. If you've ever noticed a difference in your mood by smelling roses or even using perfume, do tell us all about it. We're all about that olfactory bonding, after all. (laughs) That's it for today. So hey, if you pacified your curiosity, then give the video a like and share it with your friends. Or if you want more, just click on these videos and stay on the bright side.